Well, good morning again, and welcome to part three in a series where we are challenging one another to do more than just hang in there for the next couple weeks or months. Let's learn from this. In week one of the series, we looked at 2 Corinthians 5.20 and the surrounding context. It's a passage that invites us to become ambassadors of a very different kingdom whose hope does not depend on things that can be shaken. And then in week two of the series, we looked at 1 Samuel 6, verse uh, 4, and the surrounding context. It's a, or 14, and the surrounding context. It's a passage that pulls back the curtains and reminds us that we're temples. And we're temples that can either receive and welcome the Spirit of God that brings peace and guidance into our lives, or we can open ourselves up to very different spirits that bring fear and confusion. Well, this week, as we mentioned in the opening, we're going to be looking at rhythms. Rhythms. If you're taking notes, I invite you to write this down. Our Creator built seasons and cycles into our world. God created a world where day follows night and spring follows winter. There is a rhythm that God invites us into. And it is hard to survive in the suburbs if you don't have some sort of rhythm. In fact, I've been to many of your homes and your kitchens look like air traffic control towers. I mean, you had all of these calendars and charts and systems, everything in place to ensure on-time departures and on-time arrivals. Everything was mapped out. Big annual events like vacations and tournaments and were scheduled months in advance. Other occasional events like games and concerts and trips to the cabin, they were also locked in. There, there was these patterns, these rhythms that you had where while the kids were at school, parents were at work. And there were other weekly rhythms of lacrosse and orchestra and youth group and church that all worked together. Some of you even had meals all figured out where you had your eat-in nights, you had your eat-out nights, you had your drive-through nights, and then you had your on-your-own nights. Everything was going so smoothly. Then came March and annual rhythms that we once scheduled around things like March Madness or season openers, prom, graduation, year-end concerts. They were canceled. And there was no guarantee of when they were going to come back, if they were going to come back. Then there were the weekly rhythms. I have never in my life heard more people asking, what day is it? And when it comes to daily rhythm, so much is blurred together. When does school begin and when does it end? When does practice begin and when does it end? When does work begin? When does it end? When does family time begin? When does it end? Viruses don't tend to be respecters of anyone's rhythms except their own. And there's a whole lot of people that know a whole lot about health, mental health, emotional health, physical health, spiritual health. There's a whole lot of people that know a whole lot about health and they're saying we've got to establish at least some basic rhythms during this season because you do need to work, but you also need to relax. And you need to exercise, but your body also needs rest. And you need to eat, and sometimes you need to not eat. And you need to invest in relationships, but you also need space. This COVID virus has decimated rhythms. But are you ready for this? Because this is so important. Just be honest. Go back to, to, to 2019. And with a show of hands, how many of you are honest enough to admit that your rhythms were not all that healthy back then either. <laughs> Every hand in this room right now 
is raised. Every one. Well, every year, every year, annual rhythms that we once built around, they begin to, to run into each other. Take something just like sports. You've got track is still going and club soccer is firing up. When it comes to weekly rhythms, they got more and more blurred too. I remember a day when Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings used to be protected as time for family and for faith. When it comes to daily rhythms, so many of us have tried to pack so much into every, any given day, so much so that work never gets done done. Time with family and friends, it always feels too rushed. We get less sleep than we need, and many families are living paycheck to paycheck to paycheck just to pay for all of the everything. Before we ever got to 2020, depression and loneliness and anxiety and insomnia and obesity and debt and tension in families and addictions of all kinds, all this and so much more was already trending the wrong way. The rhythms that we were so good at making work weren't working for us, at least not for most people. What if? What if we came out of this time with a new and better way of doing life? What if, as freedoms that we once enjoyed are restored, we were more intentional about what we add back as we're able and what we don't add back as we're able? So what we're going to do this morning, we're going to take a few minutes to reflect on the life that our Creator invites us into and then look at how closely our lives are aligned with His rhythms. Here we go. If you're taking notes, this is worth writing down. God's rhythms are purposeful. They're purposeful. This morning, let's look at one example, the example of Passover. A few days ago, I got an email from one of the members of the prayer team. His name's Brian. And he reminded me that right now, the season that we're in is the space between Passover and Pentecost. That space between Passover and Pentecost, it changed the world in the first century. Jesus died and rose again during that time. He appeared to his disciples during that time. He taught his followers about the kingdom of God during that time. And the Holy Spirit gave birth to the church during that time. So, let me channel my inner Mikey from the Goonies and tell you, this is our time. This is our time. Let's move beyond simply identifying as Christian. Let's press in to what it means to actually become more like Christ. Kind of Christianity, as we said at the beginning of this series, kind of Christianity isn't Christianity. Being satisfied with kind of Christian, it's like being satisfied with a submarine that's kind of waterproof. That is not what you're looking for, and it's not what the world needs. If you have your Bible with you, let's look at Exodus. We're going to be looking at Exodus chapter 12 here this morning, beginning with verse 3. It says this, tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, every man shall take a lamb without blemish, a male, a year old. If you're not familiar with this part of the Bible that we're in right now, God was about to deliver his people out of slavery in Egypt. And he sent signs and he sent wonders, but Pharaoh wouldn't let the children of Israel go free. Well, a final sign was about to take place. The first sons of Egypt, firstborn sons of Egypt, were about to be struck down in the night by a being that's referred to as the destroyer. In your small churches this week, it'd be really interesting. 
to compare and contrast the harmful spirit that we looked at last week in 1 Samuel 16 and this destroyer in Exodus 12. Well, because that destroyer was coming, God instructed his people to sacrifice a lamb, to mark the doorframe with its blood, and then to have a special meal. Very specific instructions were given for this meal, including these, picking back up with verse 11. In this manner, you shall eat it. With your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Passover. That word Passover doesn't translate well into English. When I hear Passover, I I think of, okay, it's God passing over. The Hebrew is richer than that. The Hebrew verb that the term Passover comes from describes the act of shielding and delivering. One of the things I came across this week as I studied this text was that people in ancient Mesopotamia, they often painted the door frames of their houses red because they believed the color red protected them from harmful spirits. Well, in this case, judgment passed over their house and that was happening because God himself, not a color, not a ritual, God himself shielded and delivered his people from the destroyer. This event, the Passover, it was never meant to be just a one-off. This is picking back up with verse 14. This day shall be for you a memorial day and you shall keep it as a statute for, how long does it say? For forever, forever. This event was meant to serve as an annual reminder, a teachable moment. Let's jump ahead to verse 26. And when your children say to you, what are we doing this for? (laughs) Some of you parents, you can picture this, right? What do we have to do this for? You shall say, It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, for he passed over, he shielded, he delivered the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and they worshiped. Let's fast forward centuries later. Centuries later, a young husband and his wife continued this tradition with their family. Let's look at Luke chapter two, verse 41. Now, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem every year for the feast of, say it with me, Passover. That was part of their family's rhythm every year. And as Jesus became a man, he began to understand that Passover would serve as more than a reminder for him. As an adult, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for the feast of Passover with his disciples. And Jesus himself became the Passover lamb. Here are two examples where this is spelled out in scripture. This is 1 Corinthians 5, 7. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. This is from 1 Peter 1, 18 through 19. You were ransomed with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Our good shepherd became the lamb. And right before his sacrifice, he gave us a new rhythm that is rooted deeply in Passover. We read these words from 1 Corinthians chapter 11 almost every time we commemorate communion together as a church. The Lord Jesus, 
On the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Holy Communion was meant to become part of a rhythm, a regular rhythm of followers of Jesus that we would participate in until he returns. It is a powerful reminder that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. All right, now what we just did with Passover and communion, we could do with other rhythms. There is a point to everything that God does. One of the rhythms that I personally want to come out of this season with is to have this finally be the time when I, when I make Sabbath a priority. Sabbath, it can be traced all the way back to the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He brought light from darkness. He brought order from chaos. He breathed into dust and he brought forth life and it was good. And then what did he do on the seventh day? He rested. When we did our Genesis series the last summer, one of the things that many of us saw and learned for the first time is that there was a lot going on there. That, that imagery that we see in, in Genesis of God resting on the seventh day, it is linked with the idea of a good king who brings peace and he brings justice. And then when all is as it should be, he assumes his rightful place on the throne. Sabbath. One of the reasons we need this, it's a time where we not only rest our bodies, we rest our minds. Sabbath is also a weekly rhythm where we remind ourselves that God is on the throne. He's got this. And us thinking that we must strive, 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 apart from his guidance, apart from his blessing, that's in vain. That's Sabbath. Well, another rhythm that God established is the festival of first fruits. It was a time when you would bring the first and best of your harvest to God. It was a reminder that everything comes from him. You know, today, very few of us make our living from the fields. We work and we receive compensation in the form of a paycheck. We made a commitment as a church that we were gonna go back to a rhythm that we once practiced as a church. And we're gonna be doing that in just a couple weeks. This, this idea of offering, building that into our rhythm as a congregation where we pause as part of our worship service and we remember, Lord, it is you who's blessed us with these gifts. With them, we offer ourselves to your service. We dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. We're going to begin integrating that rhythm in a couple weeks, but we want to wait until we can take some time to, to explain what, what offering is and also what it isn't. So we're gonna be doing that in just a couple weeks. All right, but here's my point right now. Imagine how our lives could change for the better if we just included those three rhythms that we talked about right now. Communion, Sabbath, offering. And they weren't just rituals, but we really reflected on the true meaning in them and around them. Like Holy Communion, rather than going for whole seasons or sometimes years, where we're just off doing our own thing. What if you had a rhythm where at least once a month we, you practice Holy Communion, where you come before God and you reflect on your life and you reflect on what he did and you come back 
come back to his ways, reflecting, repenting, returning. What if at least once a week, we took a full day of rest and doing more than just rest, we also take that day to remember that the one who brought light from darkness and order from chaos, he is still on the throne. He's still on the throne. And what if every time that the Lord graciously provides for you, graciously provides for your family, you remembered it's him that all good gifts come from. You offer back your first and your, your best, knowing that if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all that we need will be added unto us. Well, if you've been taking notes, you might want to write this question down and reflect on this. This would be a great question to discuss with your family, with friends, or your small church. Here's the question. Do your rhythms restore your strength and renew your mind and refresh your soul? In other words, are your rhythms working for you? One of the things that I've learned over the years is that there's not a one-size-fits-all rhythm. We're kind of like plants in that way. All plants need water, they need sunlight, they need nutrients. But what happens if you give different types of plants the exact same thing, the exact same amount of water, sunlight, nutrients? Some are going to thrive because that's what they need. Some are not going to thrive because they need different combinations. There are other things besides communion, Sabbath, offering that we all can benefit from. We can all benefit from, experience, benefit from experiencing God in his creation, experiencing God in a conversation with friends, experiencing God through hymns and creeds and prayers that have stood the test of time, experiencing God in solitude and simplicity, experiencing God as you engage in justice, doing justice, experience God as you care for others, experiencing God through song and movement, experiencing God as you reflect deeply on scripture. All of those things can benefit all of us, but... Certain of us are going to benefit more from certain things. And all of us are going to have combinations that are as unique to us as your fingerprint, as the face that your creator gave you. If you'd like to explore these, this concept in more depth, my favorite book on this subject is this one, Sacred Pathways, Gary Thomas. It's a great way you could go deeper into this thing that we're talking about. All right, well, if you've been taking notes, here's one last thing. One last thing that I'd invite you to write down. We invite you to build your schedule around the things that matter most. As the restrictions begin to lift in the weeks ahead, let's not be like Pharaoh in Exodus. When things got bad and his world was shaken several times, several times, Pharaoh said, okay, 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 God, I'll do what you say. But then what happened? When things looked like they were returning to normal, more than once, these words appear. This is uh, an example from Exodus 9, 34. When Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had ceased, he sinned again. He hardened his heart, he and his servants. As things begin to feel a little more like they once did, don't make the mistake of going back to ways that weren't working. There may be some memberships that you shouldn't renew. There may be some activities that you shouldn't continue with. And that's not necessarily because they're bad. But let's not return to packing so much into our lives that we don't have time for the things that matter most. Let's make a commitment right here, right now, wherever you are, to anchor to the rhythms that are going to bring you life and work the other things in around that. 
rhythms that remind us of who God is and who we are and what matters most. Scripture describes a life that is anchored in this way to a wise person who builds their life on a rock with Christ as the chief cornerstone. God believes in you. He believes in you. He's inviting you today to become an ambassador of a very different kingdom and invite people into that life that you've discovered. He's inviting you today to be a temple of the Holy Spirit and to experience the joy and the peace and the hope that comes when we welcome His Spirit into our lives. And He's inviting you today, right now, to become part of a priesthood of all believers, to learn how to pray as Jesus prayed, to learn how to live as he lived, and a person who can help others experience that life that he's invited you into. Well, let's put this into practice right now with the sacrament of Holy Communion. There's so much that the Bible doesn't say about this sacrament. It doesn't give a specific age. It doesn't prescribe a specific method. It doesn't prescribe a specific type of bread or wine or juice. But here's something the Bible does say. This is from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 27 through 28. Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty of concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. What we're going to do right now is examine ourselves and then we're going to turn it over to you as part of this priesthood. If you can pray the prayers that we're about to pray with sincerity, we invite you to participate in this sacrament with us. And if you'd like at least a little guidance, again, there's no perfect words. It's not so much about getting the, everything right technically as much as it is about sincerity. But if you'd like a little guidance, here's one way you could administer this sacrament. Take the bread, take the grape juice, the wine, select somebody there's, that, that you have in the room, or if it's just you, then do this. Remind yourself, remind one another as you break off a piece of the bread, this is the body of Christ given for you. And then you can dip that bread in the wine, in the juice, and either remember or say this to somebody else, this is the blood of Christ shed for you. As you do this, again, remember this is a sacred moment. Don't worry about the perfect words or the perfect method, but let's remember what it is that we're commemorating right now. We're commemorating a God who so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish in a, in a night when a destroyer came, but have what? Have everlasting life. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, to whom all hearts and minds are open and all desires are known, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may more perfectly love you and more worthily magnify your holy name. We confess that we are sinners and cannot save ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. We are not worthy for these gifts which we are about to receive, but say the word and we'll be made clean.
please pray with me. Father, we now pray that you're gonna take um, these prayers that we've spoken together all around the Twin Cities and beyond. And Lord, that you're now gonna personalize this for each one of us. Holy Spirit, come and, and reveal to us the things that you would have us to pray as individuals so that we could with sincerity come before you, offering all that we are and, and our entire lives to you. Lord, um, you know, one of the things certainly that, that we pray is our rhythms. Father, we have conformed to the patterns of this world rather than your own. And Father, we also pray that, that with families that are experiencing a lot of extra tension right now, that they'd, they'd, they'd extend a lot of grace to one another, asking for forgiveness and um, recommitting to being together in this as, as families. So Father, now um, we pray as we, we, we participate which in a way that might just seem so new and, to, um, and, and, and even somewhat uncomfortable. Um, Lord, we pray that we're going to remember what it is that we're doing here. And so, Father, as, as one last act together with all of our voices before we make these prayers our own individually and reflect and, and take time to do that, Father, we pray this prayer that you taught your disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.